When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, not much really needs to be said. You know, South Carolina falls to Texas A&M as they've dropped now to two and six on the year. And it was a game where, look, South Carolina did some good things in the first quarter, but like we've seen with this team, I think it's a microcosm for just the season. Anytime they take one step forward, they quickly take two steps back. And that was the case in the second quarter, Joe. So, uh, having said that, just your instant takeaway from what we saw from this from this Gamecock team today. Yeah, my instant takeaway was not not great. I mean, they showed up in the first half. You know, defense was making a couple stops in the tough environment that is Kyle Field. But then this team just quit. I mean, plain and simple to me, at least uh, that's what I saw. Um, not a whole lot of effort and finishing plays down the stretch. You are very, very, very banged up. I mean, I it's been a while since I've seen a team in college football is this hurt as South Carolina is. I think David Kloniger, the Post and Courier, tweeted um, that South Carolina is has had 12 offensive linemen go down at some point in the season. So very, very, very banged up, um, you know, it's at some point, you know, the excuses run out. You didn't execute regardless. Um, there were spots where you did, but when you started to execute, you couldn't keep the momentum going. So not a lot of good things. Um, I don't know if I was expecting as good or the, all of the good that was there today. Um, you showed signs of life. I personally did not think they had a very big chance at winning this game um, or at least performing as well as they did. But, I mean, again, they stuck it out. They were kind of in this game, um, especially in that second half. So, um, I don't know, Mike, overall, like, you're so banged up that it's it's hard to, you know, put a whole lot, you know, into it. But it's, I mean, poor execution across the board, really. Look, a couple things before we keep this show rolling. At this point, I mean, obviously no one wants to talk about a two and six football team. However, that's what we get paid to do. That's what we're going to do here. Um, we're not going to sugarcoat stuff. We're going to call for what it is. And we appreciate you guys tuning in because it's real easy when a team's winning to just hop on a, a post game show. But this is for you guys. This is about you. So, Vent, let us know. Uh, let it all out. We'll do this together for about the next hour. South Carolina now, again, they dropped a 2-6 and six on the year. They'll come back at Williams-Brice next week against Jacksonville State. They need to win out, all right? Bowl, the, the ability to play in a bowl game, while I think we can all agree that the possibility of that happening is, I don't want to say slim to none, but, I mean, shoot, you're going to have to run the table. You're going to have to win out. 
Having said all that, that's the least. That's the least of their worries right now. That's the least of their worries. It's just coming out next week at home and not embarrassing yourself. Because, yes, even though it's Jacksonville State, yes, you should be able to beat them. With this team, especially with how banged up they are on the offensive line, we'll have to wait and see what Trey Jones' status is. Vershawn Lee should be back next week, according to Shane Beamer, heading into this weekend's game. But they're just so banged up on the O-line. So friggin' banged up. Um, I, That was one of the frustrating parts, though, that anytime the defense was able to get a stop early, the offense really struggled. We know, look, you're going up against the best pass rush in the country. There's a reason why Texas A&M heading into this game led the country. And unless someone like Penn State, I haven't been paying attention to the Nittany, uh, Nittany Lions today, but they're, they're the best pass rush in the country for a reason, and they showed that. Having said all that, though, you're not able to move the football the way that you need to in terms of playing complementary football after the defense gets some stops. And then the other thing, too, and I know a lot of people have been talking about this all season, but it was a real killer today on two punts, and then on top of it, actually a third because you got the kick-catch interference call. Special teams just continues, continues to not be the boost, the spark, the energy, the tone setter that it was not just last year, but for the last two years. You have two bad punts, and on top of that, the third one was a kick-catch interference. I'm talking about the first half. Yeah. And because of that, because of that, the defense who, look, not saying they played a great second quarter by any means, but you think about some of those short yarded situations, maybe there's a possibility that Texas A&M doesn't go for it on one of those fourth and one situations because they'd be in their, their own territory. I know they went for it earlier in the game, but my whole point being is it changes the mentality. Sometimes it changes what teams want to do. And the fact that you gave A&M two possessions in plus territory on your side of the field, and then another was around midfield on that first uh, punt. It's just really disappointing. It just continues to be disappointing. Poss- there's a uh, possibility to be able to block a kick, a punt. And you're smacking at it. That's not how they teach it. That's not how you get taught. There's no friggin' way. Lumbo's teacher, just smack at it. Diamonds coming across. Take the ball right off the kicker's foot. I mean, these are the little things. So it's not just, okay, the offense wasn't able to execute when they needed to the most, or the defense wasn't able to get you the stops consistently enough. Special teams continues to to plague this team as well, Joe. It's all three phases right now. Yeah, all of it, right? And like I said, I, I think this week is the week where I started to see a little less buy-in um, when things started to go south. Players kind of checked out a little bit more. Um some other notes like I had was like Stone Blanton got cooked um, in open field there. But like I also thought about he's banged up, too. It's his ankle. Right. And, you know, trying to cut on a bum ankle is not fun. I sprained my ankle a bunch of times in high school playing lacrosse and it's it's not fun. Um, so like when you were as banged up as you are and, and having Stone Blanton play as much as he is, um, you know, on that bum ankle, it really, really puts your defense in a handcuff. Um, so. I mean, there's that, and then just stupid errors, right? On on fourth down, obviously, the, the fumbled snap, fourth and short. You know, you're shooting yourself yep. a lot in the foot at this point. Um, and we've talked about it all year. Even with the injuries, this team 
needed to put together a perfect game plan to win and like perfect, you know, day in all phases. And they clearly didn't do that. Um, and so I, I mean, obviously there was still a chance to win today, but uh, you just didn't put it together in all of the right spots. Um, and then you had guys going down like flies too. So it's tough, Mike. It is so, really tough. Defensively, defensively. And I see one of the comments and I think, you know, we talk about South Carolina's special teams and how not even just today, but over the last couple of weeks, even heading into the season, that the way we're going to grade them, the way that we're going to judge South Carolina's special teams, it's going to be on a curve, right? The expectations heading into this year and the expectations still right now, despite the fact that they're two and six, are high simply because of what you were able to do the last two years. You were number one in the country in special teams efficiency last season. There's a reason why Pete Lembo got that raise last year. So the fact that they haven't been able to be as efficient and as clean as they've needed to be uh, this season, it's, it's, it's one of those things that you look at on top of everything else and you're just saying, why? Why is that? Now, We've talked about it on some of the GC Live shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Some of it has to do with the fact that they're very young on special teams. But having said that, there's no reason why some of the errors that continue to happen, some of the dumb penalties like the kick-catch kick interference today, you have to be able to give the guy space to catch it. You know, Xavier Leggett has done a phenomenal job at wide receiver this year. He's a veteran guy. And shoot, another play that I haven't even mentioned. The punt earlier in the game, I think it was actually the first quarter. There was a pos- yeah. there was a chance for USC to be able to down it inside the five. You know, give A&M's returner credit. Go into the – I mean, that's how you're coached. That's how they teach it up. Go to the left side. Try to confuse the gunners, which it did for the most part. But Xavier Leggett was right there, and the ball rolled into the end zone. So just continue to have miscues on special teams. Defensively, though, Joe. Defensively, and yeah. I want to roll back to the point. Where was it? I think someone else mentioned it about the defense today. We talked about the all things considered when you're talking about grading and the special teams. Defensively, in comparison to what we've seen, okay? Let's not misconstrue this because they were not good today. But in comparison to what we have seen over the last couple of weeks, Defense did some good things today, and that's yeah. the sad thing. That's the sad thing is that they did some good. First quarter, they were able to generate three sacks, I think, in the first 11 plays of the game. Here's a team that heading into today, I think they only forced 13 sacks, something like that, through the first seven games of the year. So you do that, but what happens? You're not able to get the offense going in the direction consistently enough outside of the rushing touchdown by on Joyner. They weren't able to generate anything from that. And then second quarter, as we mentioned, it just went completely south. And then heading into the second half, defensively, and again, second quarter too, we mentioned it with special teams, not helping your defense out, right? couple plays, couple series, Texas A&M starting in plus territory, kick catch interference being one of them as well. So, again, not playing complimentary football, and it's not to look at South Carolina's defense and say, oh, my goodness, like they played a good game today, but they didn't get any help. They didn't get help. They didn't get help. So, again, frustrating that 
when they're able to do some good things, you're able to get a three and out to start the game for just the second time this season. Happened last week against Mizzou. And then the last time it happened before that, you have to go all the way back to the Gator Bowl of last season. You're able to do these things, but you're not able to help yourself out after that because the offense isn't able to get going. Or, okay, offense isn't going to get going against a good pass rush team. Special teams, they need to be able to flip the field. They weren't able to do that today. They weren't able yeah. to do that. Yeah, you needed to execute in those extra spots, right? The the little things. You needed to do the little things right. Um, and when the defense was playing as well as it was, it really was one of those um, little thing games, right? Because when your defense plays like that, all you have to do is just execute in the little things. And South Carolina didn't do that well at all um, offensively, special teams-wise. Defensively, again, I, I think, you know, they would have been able to generate off of some of their own momentum. You kind of saw that a little bit in the first quarter. Um, but the offense just did not give them any help um, and just weren't able to keep the momentum rolling, um, you know, throughout this game. So, I don't know, defensively, you were led by Debo Williams um, in tackles. And so, um, and we'll get those phone lines. I saw a couple people asking about that after after this finishes up, we'll, uh, we'll open them up. Yeah, exactly. I know I'm going to be quick on the button tonight or have <laughs> to be you guys. We, we, we will give you guys a uh, platform to vent, but yeah, Debo Williams led you guys in tackling as expected. He's been playing with your pants on fire or with his pants on fire, uh, just flying around the field, tackling really well. But then again, defensively, you just, what it comes down to for me at least is being able to execute in spots, right? They they were terrible on third down. Um, mm -hmm. South Carolina's defense was. It seemed like AM was getting well, third down. And that's and Joe, I wanna I just want to say something because some people they're gonna look at the box scores and stuff and say, like, you know, third downs. Even at the beginning of the game, even at the beginning of the game, and there were some third down situations where they got stops. I think at the beginning, AM may have been 0, 0, 0 for 5, 0 for 6. They eventually were able to get things going and they finished uh, 7 for 19. So I say that because even though you look at it and says 7 for 19, some of those plays on third down, and this is, I'm just, the reason I'm cutting you off is because I want to add to your point. Some of those third down plays where they got to stop, they got to stop. Well, they allowed maybe like, you know, 11 plays on a third and 12, right? And it set up a fourth down conversion. So, AM, seven of 19 on third down, but they were four for four on fourth down conversions. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that even when USC did get a stop on third down, they gave up too much yardage and it set up a very manageable fourth down situation for the Aggies. So that's the reason I wanted to add to that, Joe, because again, statistically, when you look at that, seven of what was it again? Seven of uh, 19, it doesn't seem as bad, but when you put things into context is like wait a minute all right yeah some of those were you know third and uh 12 situations and the Aggies were picking up 11 yards and it was just again you saw plays where whether South Carolina was sending the blitz they were putting pressure on but they weren't able to consistently capitalize and finish the play the way that they needed to and I think for this Gamecock team, when you talk about from a defensive standpoint, talking about consistency, talking about what's the issue, what's the issue. And I, I get it. It's easy just to point the finger at the coordinator. Okay. I understand that. But even if Clayton White isn't here, at some point, players have to make some plays. And some of those situations when they're in man-to-man -man coverage and you're not being able to finish on the back end of it, it's frustrating.
especially when the pressure was getting getting there today. It was much better in comparison to what we've seen over the last couple of weeks uh, in, in just comparing it to what has been a very, very disappointing season in multiple regards, but especially when we're talking about putting pressure on the quarterback. Again, South Carolina came in today with only 13 sacks, and then they were able to generate three through the first 11 plays, just doing those little things. And I think, where is it? Justin says, fundamentals got worse the longer the defense stayed on the field. Exactly. And when we're talking about the third down conversions, or even the ones where, again, South Carolina was able to get a stop on third down, but eventually led to AM going for it on fourth down, by not being able to get off the field, right? Extending those drives. And we've seen this as the season's gone on. We've shared the number of snaps that the secondary has played in, and especially today with how things went. And I know you guys are trying to call in. Intern Joe is getting the phone lines ready to go. He's going to hop on. We'll we'll take those phone calls from you guys shortly. But by not being able to not just get off the field on third down, but by giving up so many chunk yardage plays on third down that were manageable fourth down situations for AM, they were able to continue, continue to extend those drives. And when you add those things up, exactly what you're saying, Justin, from the fundamental standpoint, just like anything in life, the, the, the longer you're out there, the longer you're out there, the easier it's going to be for a lot of these guys to continue to have mental errors because fatigue, as you know, the old saying goes, fatigue makes cowards of us all. And unfortunately for South Carolina, I think fatigue sometimes kicked in from a defensive standpoint, especially as the game went on, and they weren't able to get off the field and help themselves out. I uh, want to go through some of these comments here. We'll share some of them. Intern Joe is, again, is working the phone lines behind the scenes. We'll get we'll get to those calls in a little bit. Fred Jenkins says, team just looks like they've given up. I'll give the defense credit uh, in the first quarter. I really like the way that they came out. Uh, we mentioned that with the number of sacks that they were able to create through the first 11 plays, they were able to force three sacks through the first 11 plays. But unfortunately, again, not being able to play complimentary football, offense had a nice drive. I think it was their second series of the game. Don't quote me on that. But they were able to have one nice drive, but it just wasn't consistent enough. And at some point, you knew Texas A&M was going to score, right? You knew they were going to score. And you also knew that the Aggies were going to put pressure on Spencer Rattler, which is, again, this offensive line being as banged up as it continues to be. You know, not having Vershawn Lee at right tackle for a second straight week, a combination that if you go back to the Florida game when South Carolina was able to have arguably one of their best offensive performances this season, you're not able to have that same combination on the offensive line with Lee out one more time, right? And hopefully Lee will be back in the lineup next week. But I say that because with Trey Jones going down, it really threw a wrench into what South Carolina was trying to do from an offensive standpoint up front on top of the fact, which is the obvious statement, you're going up against the best pass rushing defense in the country. Intern Joe, 
How's the phone yeah. lines looking? Looks like uh, uh, we should be good. I had some technical difficulties. Um, so you guys try try again. If I saw we got a couple of calls, so try again. I had to restart my Mac. The audio situation wasn't the best, so we're rolling with the punches here. Um, but yeah, feel free call back in. We're ready to yep, go. Yeah, we got you, Michael. Yeah, Michael. Anyone that wants to call in, we're ready to go now. We'll give it a try. Um, yeah. Erlin says, glad Fugar wasn't out there. We need Lee, Case, and Henry back badly. Fugar doesn't need to see the field on offense anymore this season. We saw the, the, the change up there today, and uh, hopefully Case and Henry will be back at some point this season. I think the interesting thing will be if Henry is able to get back at some point this year, how much do we see of him, right? Um, does he take a... I mean, shoot, you'll, I have to go back and double-check to see if he's already redshirted in his career. But, you know, you're looking at some of those numbers. You try to figure out what makes the most sense for a player. He's already redshirted. He's a redshirt freshman. So if Kaysen does come back at, at, at some point this season, where do you put him on the offensive line, right? You put him at right tackle. Okay, where does Vershawn Lee go? And you're just trying to fill – you know, obviously the needs that you have at certain positions, but again, we'll we'll worry about that once we get an update on Kaysen. Um, what else we got here? Justin says he can take a medical. I'm just interested to see if we see him come back at some point this year. Let's see. Dr. Piv says happy not to be embarrassed. Nice start. Is a trash season, too many injuries to count in zero depth. You could say that about multiple positions. And uh, not to add more salt to the wound, but unfortunately, DQ Smith will be out the first two quarters next week. We'll get into that. What we got, Joe? We got Alex on the phone. Alex, go ahead. What's going on, guys? Um, just kind of curious on the, not only the um, targeting call, but I'm seeing plenty of targeting calls throughout the years of watch Um, I'll answer the first one. I know some people aren't going to like it. The first thing that I saw from that uh, second camera angle, when you see DQ's head down, it reminded me of just like the old school stuff that you're taught in Pop Warner, which is you can't use your helmet, you know, to, to spear. And again, some people might not necessarily agree with that, but that was the first thing that I thought of. And the rule itself, again, it's not just to protect the receiver. It's also to, to protect the um, defensive back. So in the defensive player in general, in this case, it was defensive back. So I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked that that happened. What's really what just stinks, though, is the fact that you lose a key member of your secondary. And he also has to miss the next two quarters of next week's game. So, again, I wasn't shocked by the call just because even before targeting was really something that people really pushed on. This has been something going back years uh, that they've been trying to get out of the game. And unfortunately for DQ, I don't think it was malicious by any means. But because you see the crown of the helmet going down, they're going to call that. They're going to call that, um, unfortunately, regardless of where he's actually hitting the offensive player. So I don't know if that 
help some people in terms of just trying to figure out, make more sense of it. You might not agree with it. That's fine. But to just kind of give you some light, shed some light on why they call it the way that they do. Uh, Intern Joe, we have another guy on the phone. What we got? Okay, Intern Joe said, just hold on for a second. Travis said, I didn't see a team give up. I saw a team that is mentally fatigued. Carolina Titans says, Beamer needs to change what he is doing in practice. Those injuries are directly related to the intensity of practice. I don't, I, I don't agree with that, Carolina Titan. Um, the second part of it, you can say you can change things up in practice, and we'll get into that a little bit more. We got Joe. We got Michael on the phone line. Michael, go ahead. Good. 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 Can you hear me? Yeah, we're good. Can you hear me, Mike? Yep. All right, we're up. This is what I want to say, guys. Uh, at first, uh, I've been raving about Brian Thomas since spring, and he came in there and did a – he was the only one really getting disruptive, disruptive to his quarterback, um, and unfortunately he went down. But uh, – the problem is we're getting, we're trying to get too much pressure on the quarterback, and we don't have enough coverage in the back, the back end, because they have the talented, they have the, probably the most talented uh, wide receivers in the league. You know, you got to, you got to, and we're playing man coverage on them. Mike Nakem and Rory and DQ is getting killed out there because our cornerbacks can't, 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 you know, because we're going to make covers. All they got to do is throw a slant, and there you go. We did it last week, and we're doing the same thing this week. We can't keep up, and they're just throwing it all around. And what's up with that third and eight? Third and eight. And uh, we give it to Mario. Why are we giving it to Mario? I mean, it, that play just went off. Like, Mario did a great job. Mario made a name for himself tonight. But uh, let's see. Spencer did everything he could, like always. Um, I just don't know what happened to our secondary, man. Last year, we were all hyped up about Nicky and Lori, and uh, I don't get into the freshman, but we were spending Bakari Swain or somebody to step up, give us some depth, and we don't have any depth. And, and, and again, again, we got more injuries on all the line. It's just this year we need to go into the portal. This port, uh, this transfer portal year, we need to go in there and get some uh, some real F, F, FBS, you know, talent. Not no people from Charlotte, people from you know Arkansas State. I mean, we got a lot of coaching decisions. I, I don't want to blame Beamer. I'm, I'm Beamer to the moon still. I believe in Beamer, and I believe what he's doing, but. Something ain't right. Something ain't right with the defense. And uh, I just want to get your 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 uh, opinion on because Dow Dow Log is I got the most respect for him. You know he he, he dissects every question you ask him. He tells you exactly what's going on. The offense don't have many problems except injuries. Mm-hmm. But that defense, man, that defense is horrible. I feel like I go on the field and and and, and do a better job than he does. I mean, it's, it's bad. But anyway, let me get your thoughts on that. I appreciate you letting me call. It's the first time calling, man. 
I love you, Mike Duva. You're awesome, man. Appreciate Later. you, Mike. Yep. Thank you, Michael. All right. Well, look, I think answering or trying to answer, trying to make sense of the defense, and Michael brings up a good point because, look, at some point, if you're sending as much pressures, right, you're sending the blitz as much as they do, and I understand that a lot of defenses, they're going to play man. You know, at this level, you play a lot of man when you're going to be sending the blitz. If it's not working, though, in terms of guys not being able to get there from an execution standpoint, because we've talked about that a lot, some of it has to do with just execution. Some of it's not just on the coaching in that regard. Having having said that, though, at some point, if things aren't working, and they were working at the beginning, but Texas A&M, they made some adjustments. They were able to slow down that pass rush from South Carolina. At some point, if things aren't working, you have to adjust as well, right? I mean, it's a, it's a game of chess. So South Carolina was able to do some good things defensively at the beginning of the game. They put some pressure on A&M. Again, three sacks through the first 11 plays. A&M made adjustments. You have to make adjustments back. And if that means, if that means, okay, hey, we're not going to be able to the blitz as much. We're not going to be able to put as much pressure on, you know, the same way that we'd like to, all right? Or if you want to continue to do that, and we've talked about this on GC Live throughout the last couple weeks. Shoot, feels like the last month or month plus. Play a little bit more zone in the back half, you know? Yep. To go back to, to, Michael's, to Michael's point, help your defensive backs out. If it's not working – they make that adjustment. Or, again, it might not necessarily be the fact that it's a bad play call, it's a bad look. It's just that it's not being executed the way that you need to consistently enough. So at yeah. that point, I get it. I I, I love be, I love coaches that are aggressive, but at some point you have to say, hey, man, this isn't working. This isn't working. What yeah. can we do differently? If we want to be aggressive in blitz, that's fine. Change it up a little bit. Play a little bit more zone. That's how I would answer that, Mike. I do yeah. want to mention this, Joe. And we got then, one more caller, too. We have one right now? Yeah, we, have, we got, we got Zach go. on the line right now. Let's yeah, Zach. Zach. Yep, Zach, you ready for me? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, sounds good, Zach. What you got for us? Um, Really? Like, um, a disappointing loss, obviously, but um, I thought the defense played better. Uh, the defense played better. I don't, They weren't helped out by the offense. Like you said, Mike, they started multiple times in uh, plus territory. Um, my thing about it is like if you can, you can, and you take this defensive performance like taking it to other games because I actually did. I was actually really impressed with how the defense played in this performance and getting like if we can just like get something on the offensive line, can we get something going? Because that way you can. I think you do have like the last four games are very winnable. And, um, yeah, yeah, I think – I don't know if you can go bowling, but the next four games are very winnable. So, um, also, Nick Harper also did really well, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. You know, maybe if he can be a little bit healthy, like face Henry somewhat, something, and take this defensive performance and just, like, add on to it, maybe you can do something out of that. So, yeah. I mean – Zach, thank you for calling in, man. It's a good take, good caller. Appreciate it. Thank you. I think, look, the fact that you have Jacksonville State coming up, and although Jacksonville State is a very good team in terms of the level that they play at in Group 5, they're 7-2 and two on the year, that's a team that you should be able to beat. I think we'd all agree with that, right? So having said that, and I also said at the beginning of the show that you can't take them lightly, you can't take anyone lightly with the way USC has looked in terms of not being as consistent as you need them to, especially with how banged up they are on the offensive line. I wouldn't assume anything with this team. 
But when you look at what's coming up, right? Uh, you have you have uh, Jacksonville State next week. Then the week after that, you have Vanderbilt. Then you got Kentucky and Clemson. I bring that up because when you're talking about what can the defense do to be able to continue to you know try to find something, right? Be able to build off of the good that you were able to do today. Again, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't perfect by any means. But in comparison to what we've seen over the last couple of weeks, there was some more good this week. Um, some of that, unfortunately, has to do with the fact that there were times that Texas A&M was starting in plus territory because of some poor plays on special teams, whether it be uh, two bad kicks or the fact that there was kick catch interference on a punt. I bring those things up, though, because when you look at that four-game slate to end the year, number one, all four of those games are at home. But number two, Jacksonville State is the next one. And when you look at those four teams, and no disrespect to Jacksonville State, but I think a lot of us would agree in terms of, okay, what would be, what should be the easier of those four, right? Yeah. It would be Jacksonville State. So what I'm trying to get at is you're trying to find a way to build that confidence over the next couple of weeks for the next month heading into um, November as we get ready to head into November, being able to play Jacksonville State next, you need to do everything you can from a confidence-building standpoint, whether it be playing a little bit more zone, whether it be changing some things up. Like we did see a couple of things changed up today. They were aggressive on the outside. They've been aggressive this year with their defensive backs, but they changed things up where you had a couple true cornerback blitzes today. Wasn't just coming from the nickel. Wasn't just coming from the safety spot. You had some true cornerback blitzes. You had defensive backs. I think actually the first three sacks of the game, two of them were made by defensive backs. So I bring that up because build off that. Having said that, and this was a question that someone asked Joe, yeah. and I do want to go back to the question by Carolina Titan. I haven't forgot about you. Um, when was the last time South Carolina forced a turnover on defense? Well, it's been 13 quarters. 13 quarters now of not forcing a turnover. You have to go all the way back to September 30th in the third quarter against Tennessee. So since this was the last game for South Carolina in this month, there were no forced turnovers by the Gamecocks this year in the month of October. Now, of course, there was a bye week in there. But again, 13 quarters, that's three-plus games right there. Three-plus games. Three-plus games, you have to go back to that Tennessee game. So that's the frustrating part, is that they have done some decent things, but when you're not able to help yourself out in the ways that you talked about, Joe, some of those third downs, let it bled into not being able to get stops on fourth down because yeah. you gave A&M some manageable fourth down opportunities, but you're not being able to get off the field. On top of that, and some of that has to do with the fact that you're not forcing turnovers. That's the frustrating part with the defense to me again there's multiple layers that we can look with the defense but I did think there were some good however some stuff continues to remain the same and some of that has to do with the lack of being able to force the ball no back to your hands and you give it give it to Rattler in the offense I firmly agree with that take I mean I you need something to generate momentum defensively and that last year and previous years has been turnovers um yeah the steel curtain is speaking facts here. It's just like it feels like it's been forever, and you need that as a defense. You you know you have to be generating turnovers and forcing turnovers and doing all of that to generate more momentum. When the offense feels like it's carrying 
more than its weight, it doesn't usually go so smoothly. And we saw that today. Um, but yeah, you, and a lot of that stems from getting pressure on the quarterback. Uh, obviously, you got three sacks on Max Johnson early. You know, there, it, the pressure was better from the defensive line today, but I, I don't, I wouldn't say it was great by any means. Um, again, you needed to pull it all together um, down the stretch in this one, and you just didn't. Just you had guys that were checking out um, left and right, and. Sure, a lot of great individual performances. You know, gives you hope that Nick Harbor was playing well and that they trust him in these spots. Yep. But I mean, it's you know, it's tough. It, re- it really is tough. There's not a real, there's not a whole lot to hang your head high on if you're South Carolina or you know South Carolina fan. I mean, just not a whole lot is going right right now. I do want to talk about Harbor because he had a career day today. Yeah, and he did some great things. And I do want to get into something that. I think a lot of us saw at the beginning of the game involving Spencer Rattler and him after the first drop. So we'll get into that because we'll try to talk about some good. Wasn't a lot, but there was some yeah. some good things. Harbor and Mario Anderson included. But um, going back to Carolina Titans point, asking about changing practices and you know injuries, and I, I think one person may have said, you know, oh, I got to fire the strength and conditioning coach or whatever. You know, I'm paraphrasing. I'm trying to remember the exact comment that was made. Um. The reason I disagree with that is two reasons. One, we heard from Shane earlier this week talking about it. And I give David Kloniger from the Post and Courier credit for asking the question because I think from a fan standpoint, not everybody, but there has been a decent size of the fan base that has felt that way. And as we've mentioned before, our job as reporters is to be the voice between the fan base and the team. So I give DC credit for asking that question. Having said that, and I've talked to him about this outside of the press conference room. He doesn't believe that to be the case. However, the question needs to be asked. If it were the same injury, right? If it were the same injury when we're talking about some of these players, and obviously they are dealing with a lot on the offensive line. I understand when we have injuries pop up, just like anything, we want to be able to look at someone or something and be able to say, that's the reason. We want to be able to blame it on that. And I totally get that. Totally understand that. It would be great if there was an, a reason, a specific reason, because that would hopefully help eliminate that injury from occurring over and over and over again. Or you're able to kind of slow that down. So you're not dealing with the fact that you only had, what, after Trey Jones went down today, I think you only had nine other offensive linemen available on the trip. Having said all that, it hasn't been the same injury. I think more than anything, it's just been some really, 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 really bad luck with USC. And for some people, they don't want to hear that. And I'm not saying that's the case with you, Carolina Titan. But what I'm trying to get at is it's not as simple as saying, man, someone's getting hurt. I think there's a direct correlation. And, you know, your point, you know, directly related to the intensity of practice. I actually sometimes think it's the opposite sometimes. And I've brought this up that with how football has changed, and we've obviously become smarter in the sense of how we go about things, right? Head injuries, all that, right? But I also think because football has took a step back and they've allowed practices to be a little bit softer and you're not as physical at practice sometimes. And I'm not saying this is directly a South Carolina issue. I think this is a problem not just on the college level, but professional and even high school. I think we're seeing more and more injuries. Now, I don't have data to prove that. It just feels like that's the case because, you know, some of these guys, they're not tackling as often 
as what they would do, say, a couple of years ago, even five years ago, 10 years ago. So, again, regardless of what the actual specific injury that we're talking about, I think as far as South Carolina is concerned, they've just had some real bad luck, but it's not just a specific injury. So that's that's what my take would be on that. Um, did bring this, did see this by WJM41. Good to have you on, as you do throughout the week on GC Live. So Sellers needs some kind of in-game reps. So Sellers is at one game right now. He only He's only played in the Fer, uh, Furman game. I would expect to see Sellers to play a little bit more, especially if they were to lose one of these games coming up. I think he'll play in the Jacksonville State game, right? But I think at this point, it makes zero sense. And I'm not saying you're saying to burn his redshirt year. It makes zero sense to burn his redshirt season now. It makes yeah. zero sense, right? With with only, what, they're two and six right now? With only four games to go, it makes no sense. Now, having said all of that, I think you have to look at the what's in the best interest of the program. And if South Carolina, again, I don't want to get into all these hypotheticals, but whether they lose to Jacksonville State next week, whether they lose in two weeks, whether they lose to now fall to a record where they have seven losses where you're not going to be bowl eligible, then I can see guys like Sellers and some of these younger players playing a little bit more. I also don't think, too, though, that you're going to take Rattler off the field because he's your best player. Yes, I understand he had three intentional grounding calls in the first half. I get that. But I also know from last week, and we saw it a little bit today, Xavier Leggett was banged up. You could clearly tell he wasn't himself. But the other thing, too, was, and it's not just Leggett, wide receivers are really struggling to create the separation they needed to as quickly as they needed to simply because A&M's pass rush is as good as it is and they're going up against a banged-up South Carolina offense, which got even more banged up as the game went on today. So I bring those things up because I don't think, you know, I saw some people, I'm not saying everyone's agreeing with this, some people were like, hey, you know, get get Rattler out of the game. Put Sellers in. She's like, really? I mean, come on. Stop that. Uh, but I do think we will see Sellers get some reps, which will be good. And I don't think it'll be just limited to him. I think we'll see some of these other freshmen. Um, we've mentioned it before. Wrote a piece yesterday in Gamecock Central. Jatavius Shivers, he continues to have good practices. Another week in a row where he made the travel list. So he's someone that I could see get some reps down the road. But I mean, look, at this point, you're doing whatever you can to just try to find some type of spark. And if it's putting Sellers out there next week to create some type of spark, which I think is going to happen regardless against Jacksonville State at some point, um, then you do it. But I I think you want to be careful, too. You don't want to burn anyone's red shirt at this point if they've only played in one game like a guy like Sellers. Yeah, absolutely. No, and it's funny or it's crazy how bang, or dinged up you are at the at the wide receiver core as well. I mean, you were missing Amari and Brown this week as well. Um, so not only Juice, but AB and then Xavier Leggett, your number one target so far this season is also banged up. So it's tough. And, you know, when you have guys like like Russell and, and you know, a lot of freshman bodies in there, guys who haven't really played a whole lot yet, when they are coming to the surface and being forced into tough situations and, um, you know, make plays, I mean, like the end of the Mizzou game, um, you know, you're not going to see a whole lot of results. It's just, you're so, you know, short on guys 
across this offense that, you know, you, you really, you know, don't, you don't have a whole lot to do. There's nothing you can do really. Um, and in terms of Lenoris, obviously I think, you know, you, at this point you redshirt him. There's no, you know, sense in like a Tebow package or anything like that. Yeah. He'll play probably at the end of the Jacksonville state game, but um you know, I really don't see a need for him to come in, even if Spencer goes down. Um, I think you rely on Doty to still try to preserve the red shirt because um, you need all four years and more um, out of Lenoris if, if you can get him. Yeah, and look, and, and to bird to fly, and I, you're not the only person that has felt this way. Now, I don't agree with it. I'll read what you said, but I'm glad you brought it up because there's been multiple people that have talked about it throughout the last couple of weeks on the GC Live shows that we do. Fly says, I don't get why redshirt is still a thing. Maybe I'm wrong, but all a kid needs is two good years of football and he's getting drafted. So I think the, the thing about that is, first off, obviously not every player is going to be able to, it's not going to be as simple as that for them, right? I mean, you look at some of the cases right now with some of the defensive backs South Carolina has, whether it be Nick Eamon Worry, DQ Smith, they have phenomenal years last year and they're continuing to develop, right? I mean, this isn't basketball, this isn't baseball. You need to continue to stack good years on top of good years. So I get it. I mean, if someone comes out here and balls out the first two years to a point where, I mean, shoot, let's say, uh, you know, Marcus Lattimore's freshman season. And let's say, you know, he didn't uh, have a knee injury his sophomore year and he was able to stack that on top of that. Like, I get what you're trying to say, but I think the development part is so important. It's so important. And I think the other part of it, too, is with the era that we live in with NIL, some of these players, when they do get their draft evaluations and they start looking ahead a little bit as to, okay, you know, uh, what do I, what do I, where where do I stand? Where do I match up? Right. Some of these guys are going to realize, man, it makes more sense for me to actually come back. Obviously, there's always a risk when you come back, right? Because you could get hurt. I understand that. But some of these guys will look at it and say, man, there could be a possibility of me coming back and I could actually make some more money than just going out there and, you know, taking my chances through possibly getting drafted late or being a being an undrafted free agent. And, you know, there's obviously a bunch of stories and a long list of guys who have done exactly that and they've had successful NFL careers. But I just think, I think the the notion of, okay, man, we're afraid to redshirt a guy because, you know, maybe he's only going to want to be here X amount of years. I think a lot of those conversations are just conversations that are being truthful between a player and a coach and the entire coaching staff saying, Hey, look, this is where you're at right now. This is where we need you to get to. Um, uh, Dow Loggins didn't say him, but didn't mention him by name, but he was talking about Lenoris the other day. Mm-hmm. saying that one of the challenges right now, and I'm paraphrasing, but one of the challenges right now for a kid like Lenoris is making sure that he's as locked in as he needs to be. Because some of these guys, right, not just Lenoris, but some of these freshmen, they're looking at as, okay, I'm just going to redshirt this year. And when, when Dal was talking about the workouts on Friday, the guys who don't travel with the team, because this happens all the way down to D2 and D3, Friday, the guys that don't travel with the team, they typically have a workout designed for them. And they're doing these little things. They're trying to, you know, watching film and all that. It's real easy to just kind of go through the motions right now. So I bring that up because there's different parts of college and just figuring out what being a college football player is all about from a mental side of it. 
that it's not just, okay, as soon as you get on the field, you're ready to go. That's why a guy like Nick Harbour, and I want to transition into that, Joe, because I want your yeah. thoughts. I mean, shoot, heading into today's game, Harbour had, I believe, four catches for 102 yards. Today, he finished with six catches for 59 yards, had that drop on the first series of the game. And what I loved about that from both players, Spencer Rattler was one of the first people to go over to him on the sideline. Told him to pick his head up, ready to go. Hey, I'm going to come right back to you. And what happens the next drive? Harbor makes a huge catch on third down, extends to the drive. South Carolina goes on to score on that drive with on Joyner running it in. I bring that up because, number one, shows the leadership from Spencer Rattler, which if you've been following the Gamecocks, not just this season, but last year, we've talked about it. All that whole notion, the Netflix special, all that. This guy is a leader. The players love him. Okay. That's number one. But number two, it shows the maturity from Harbor, right? Yeah. Right. Stop feeling sorry. Don't feel sorry for yourself. You dropped the ball. Move on. He's a freshman. He could have let that eat him up for the rest of the game. He didn't. Came right out there, had a great play, and he also had a really nice game. Yeah, no, I thought that was such a – it was a big moment, and I'm glad they touched on it on the broadcast. Quint Kesnick, fellow lacrosse guy, doing the interview and, and bringing that up with Coach. But, um, no, I, and I think Lenoris notices that too, right? Like that's that's the example that you want your quarterback of the now to be ushering in and setting for the quarterback of your future, right? I, I you know, spent, having Spencer here wasn't just for, um, you know, to win games. It was to usher in this next era of – of Gamecock football. Um, and so obviously this year it has, has been kind of a dud, but he's teaching Lenore, guys like Lenore Sellers and Nick Harbour and, and all the freshmen, Tree and Tro, how to be SEC and big-time college football players. So I think, yep. you know, Spencer's presence goes a long way, and it's not just with the X's and O's. Um, so I think that was a huge moment. Like I said, shout-out ESPN for being able to, to highlight that, catch that moment and highlight it and, and give it the shine that it deserves. Yeah, and again, the other thing, too, we've talked about this with Nicholas Harbour, and I know not everyone listens to our our show during the week, and some people don't follow Gamecock Central or pay attention to the press conferences, and I get it. But if you paid attention to what Nicholas Harbour said about a week and a half ago, he talked about how it was a big jump. And there were things that when he came to college, he just figured, all right, you know, I'm going to come in here, I'm going to put up 100 yards a game, and he realized that wasn't the case. So – He's been working extremely hard. Beamer mentioned it on Tuesday that he's been staying after practice. He gets to practice early. He's working on the jugs machine. We talk about the senior leadership. Xavier Leggett, I know how many people just truly love that man, not just for his playing ability, but his story and how mentally tough he is and everything that he's had to deal with, unfortunately, in his life. But he's become a leader in that locker room as well. And that's a player that Nicholas Harbour has looked up to. So I bring these things up because, look, I get it. Harbour wasn't playing as much as some people would have liked him to play at the beginning, but there was a reason why. Because he was developing his skills going from a defensive end slash tight end in high school to being a wide receiver. Again, he was a five-star athlete. He wasn't a five-star wide receiver coming out of high school. I think some people get confused with that sometimes. Oh, he's our five-star. Well, that's great. I mean, shoot, Spencer Rattler is, you know, he was a five-star quarterback, whatever the case may be. You know what? Put him at linebacker. Does that mean he's a five-star? You know what I mean? Like, and I know I'm being very extreme when I bring that up. So I think with Harbor, the way that he was able to just trust the process and what we saw today, 
just making the most out of his opportunities. And that one play, that one play with him dropping it, honestly, if he continues just to have a, have some great games towards the end, we'll see what happens if Juice Wells is back at any point this year. We'll wait and see. But that one play to me is a play that I think we'll be talking about not just at the end of this season. We'll be talking about next year. Because how many times have we mentioned it with Xavier Leggett last year with the drops that he yep. had? I think it was yep. against SC State. You had the two drops that led to interceptions, right? And that's something from talking to him. It motivated him. And obviously, yeah. I'm being very extreme when I mentioned the Harbor drop in comparison to that. But it's just real easy for a player to fall down into this, you know, woe is me kind of deal. And that wasn't the case. And I feel like just yeah. having a guy like Rattler come over and say, hey, brother, I got you. I got you. I'm coming right back to you. And he did. And he did. And I think that's something that he can continue to build his confidence on, not just the rest of this year, but next year when Rattler isn't there. And, you know, look, Harbor will be a sophomore. Sellers will be a redshirt freshman. But in a way, Harbor's going to have to be more of a leader in that wide receiver room. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, you're going to be losing oh, yeah. some talented guys. So, again, that's that's looking down the line. But just wanted to really hit on – just what we saw today with Harbor and why it should excite you because of the way he continues to attack practice and the way that he continues to trust the process that they have him going through right now. Yeah, and he has an opportunity right now to do what not a whole lot of other freshmen in the country have to do. Like right now he's playing when you know not there's not a whole lot of incentive, right? The lights aren't as bright, but he's playing his way into the trust of this coaching staff, right? Like when everyone else is dinged up, and nobody, there's not really, you know, a whole lot going on for the season wise. And, and, you know, you're not really getting a whole lot of national attention. This is where you show, you know, that you're ready for the bigger stage by producing as a freshman, by bouncing back like you did today um, and just showing that you're ready for it. And also to getting the reps too, to where you, you can make the mistakes, right. And then learn from them and learn how to react in certain situations. Again, like today, like you drop one, get pulled back up on the sideline next time. And this uh, probably around this time next year, something similar happens. You're going to probably see Nick Harbor picking the guy up. And, and, and so I think, you know, that goes a long way, right? He is getting conditioned, groomed, if you will, to, to be the number one or number two wide receiver to be a very big focal point in this offense. So I, I think it's huge for him to get the reps and, and get the attention in the offense like he is right now, because again, it's, it's making him better for next year and, and years following that, because he'll be ready for more responsibility down the road. So John, we hit on this, but since you paid a buck 99, um, we'll go back and answer it. You know, you pay to ask a question, we'll answer it. So I've mentioned this before. I don't think it has anything to do with the strength and conditioning as far as I'm, I'm assuming you're making a correlation between the strength and conditioning and the injuries that we're seeing this year. Beamer talked about it on Tuesday, and it's not just, okay, hey, Beamer said, let's just take his word. It's not that the injuries that are happening, and obviously a lot of it's happening at the offensive line position, but they're different injuries. It's not all the same. I brought this up before. College, we had – more shoulder injuries than I can even remember. The amount of players that had uh, shoulder surgeries in my first two years in college, it was friggin' ridiculous. And went back, head coach sat down with the strength and conditioning coach, and they figured, all right, a lot of the stuff that we were doing from a shoulder standpoint, it was screwing up shoulders. It was outdated stuff. So I bring that up because if it was a soft tissue issue, soft tissue issue, or a lot of these injuries were similar 
it's easier to point and be like, all right, that's a problem. We need to change that. we got to stop that. And I'm sure, regardless, at the end of the season, Shane Beamer is going to sit down with Luke Day, and he's going to sit down with the rest of his coaching staff, and they're going to try to pinpoint certain things where they can be better just like with everything, but especially with trying to find ways to stay healthier. But I, I don't think it's just limited to one reason. I think, unfortunately, and I get it, when South Carolina has had as much bad luck with injuries in the past, and some of it has had to, has had to do with certain things that they were doing differently. Um, and you were able to pinpoint it with this. I just think it's a lot of bad luck. I really do. I know it's not the answer. It's not a sexy answer. And it's not to be a lazy answer. But it's I, I really have gone back and I've really looked at every injury for the most part on the offensive line. It's it's not the same injuries. You know, some of them they share, you know, similar. Yeah, but it's not the same across the board. So I don't think, unfortunately, it's as simple as saying, man, we got to we got to stop doing this. We got to stop yeah. doing that. Um, I think it's like a scientist on a lab, Mike, right? There's not like if, if we get to this point next year and it's the same thing, like there's got to be something that they're missing. Right. But I think right now you just kind of look at it and do you have enough evidence? Probably not. And if like if it is something bigger than the soft tissue thing. Um, but right now, I just, again, I don't think there's like a whole lot that you can really point to and be like, all right, this is what we're doing wrong in strength and conditioning. All right, let's hit some ads. We'll wrap things up on the other side. So if anyone has any final comments, we appreciate everyone that has weighed in. Uh, intern Joe, though, who's our show always brought to you by? Our good friends over there, Liberty Tax, Mike, tax is that uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. Tax team at Liberty Tax in Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time. If you're in a hurry for your refund, call in the tax team at Liberty Tax. Fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing Uncle Sam, talk to Liberty Tax team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated, staffed by tax professionals from your neighborhood. Open 99 on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays with multiple service options. Start through the Liberty Tax mobile app or through the desktop portal. Make an appointment or just walk in. Give a call to upload your tax documents. And when you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. Give them a call on your screen right now, 803-462-5576. Once again, 803-462-5576. And today's show is also brought to you by our good friend, Clint Hammond of the Movement Mortgage. Clint has helped out so many people throughout Columbia and around the area, as well as our very own Wes Mitchell and former Gamecock quarterback, Perry Orth, because when those two were looking to buy a home, not together, but when they were looking to buy a home, who do they call? They call Clint, and Clint was able to help them find the best rate, because as you know right now, finding the best rate, find that lowest rate is not easy, but Clint and his team can help you out the same way they were able to help those two out. So give them a call at 803-771-6933 and let them know Gamecock Central sent you. All right, here we go. Final thoughts here. Um, I do want to mention this. We have to mention it every friggin' week because some people forget. Mario, not Mario. I don't know why they kept saying Mario. Yeah, I don't know about all that. And look, I mean... I. It happens. It happens. Well, it happens. But, happens. you know, at some point, you know, one of the interns, someone in the truck's going to be like, hey, it's Mario. But um, Mario Anderson, another another strong performance today, 16 carries for 72 yards. The stats for the team itself don't look as pretty because of the sack yardage, which because of that negative 42-yard rushing performance from Rattler because of those sacks, 33 yards rushing as a team for the Gamecocks. But having said all that, Mario did some good things. Again, 16 carries for 72 yards. 
He also had three receptions for 33 yards. So a good day at the office for Mario Anderson, uh, who, by the way, again, we have to remind people every week, he does have an extra year of eligibility. So if he wants to come back next season, South Carolina, okay, welcome him back, and he can do just that. So we'll have to wait and see about that. All right, intern Joe, what's your final thoughts on this team as yeah. we wrap this show up? Final thoughts after this one. I mean, this is a game that you kind of went into expecting them to lose, and they did. Um, this defense showed a little bit more fight than I expected. Like, this was what we should have seen like three or four weeks earlier. Um, and maybe they would have had a fighting chance still in this season. But, uh, I mean, offensively, you fumbled quite literally fumbled the ball. Um, you know, that that botch snap was kind of kind of sums up how your day was going not a whole lot was clicking offensively Spencer didn't have the best of games they were getting to you um pressure wise and you know making you see different looks the game plan wasn't complete either offensively um but you still had the bright shining lights um you know mixed in a couple players going off and doing their thing um Nick Harbour being one of them a lot of young guys are the guys that are kind of stepping up and having the individual performances um, offensively and defensively. So that should excite you. You've got four home games ahead of you down the stretch. Um, you know, all very winnable games. And of course you have Clemson. If you find a way to win the first three, you've got to beat Clemson to go to a bowl. So I think that would be enough, you know, hype around this season, but you know, you're so banged up at this point, you, you want to just try to finish strong, you know, make something out of nothing, if you will, because it is going towards the nothing direction and it is going there fast. So, um, I, I mean, you got to find a way to, you know, obviously you should win a game against Jacksonville State back at home, but then you've got, you know, two SEC opponents and your arch rival on the back half of Jacksonville State. So you got to take, you know, what you did right from this one and apply it into Jacksonville State. And then hopefully you can get some more momentum running down um, the back half of your schedule. And then, as always, <laughs> listen to the walkthrough tomorrow. I've got Tyler Head on it. It's going to be a good interview, good show. As always, it'll be up tomorrow night around six. Look, um, <laughs> you're two and six, right? You are what your record says you are, as Bill Parcells once said. You're a two and six team. And even though we've seen South Carolina do some good things this season, the bad has been so bad that it's hard to even look at some of the good, even on a day like today, right? We talked about Mario Anderson, what he was able to do. Nicholas Harbor bouncing back after that first drop on that first drive. There were some good things they did. They were able to get after the quarterback early in the first quarter. But the bad just continues to outweigh any good this team does week in and week out, and that's the frustrating part. Having said that, next week against a good Jacksonville State team, as far as being a Group 5 team and their conference, a team that you can't sleep on because, as we know with this team, you come out flat, especially with a banged-up offensive line. We'll see if Vershawn Lee's back in the lineup next week. We'll see if Cason Henry returns at some point this season. But if you sleepwalk against this team, my goodness, my goodness. I mean, I don't even want to think about South Carolina losing next week. Um, they have to. They have to not just go out there and win this game, but they have to find ways to do things cleanly and crisp so that they can be able to find some type of confidence right? They have to be able to find some type of confidence. You have four games to go. And as we mentioned before, one of the luxuries that you have, which is very rare, it feels like when we're talking about power five football, you're ending the season 
at home, four straight games at home. Your final four games of the regular season are being played at home. Yeah. And while this fan base, God bless them, they have seen some bad football over the years. It's it's very it's very hard for me to believe, especially in the world that we live in now, with how nice TVs are and the luxuries that you get in comparison to how things were 20 years ago, right? When Gamecock fans had to go through that debacle for two seasons. It's very hard for me to believe that that stadium will be as full moving forward if you don't go out there and you're able to make some improvements. So you have to go out there, build some confidence so that you can take advantage of one of the best luxuries in college football, which is having home field advantage at Williams-Brice Stadium. When that place is rocking, my goodness, my goodness. But you have to go out there and find some type of confidence next week against Jacksonville State. And it's not just talking about the defense. It's talking about all three phases. That's not just coach speech because we have saw it, not just today, but we've seen the last couple of weeks. Special teams, it needs to clean up a lot, a lot. Um, offensively. Not being able to convert fourth and one, some of those situations, right? Some drops. Mentioned Harbor's drop. You know, Tyson Russell had a drop. There's a couple drops in there. Got to clean some things up. Offensive line goes without saying. Hopefully, Trey Knox will be okay. That was probably one of the more athletic plays he's made this season. Um, And I know he's been battling injury after injury, it feels like this year. So, look, bottom line is win next week. But not just win, build confidence in a way that you were able to against Furman. Right? I mean, the following week, what happened? They go to Georgia, and they play Georgia tough in that first half. And I know there's no moral victories, but what I'm trying to get at is it is possible for this team to be able to go out there and gain some much-needed much confidence next week so that hopefully down the stretch after that, those final three SEC home games, that you're able to – Go out there and give yourself some type of opportunity. And that's all you could ask for at this point. Again, you're a two and six team. You're a two and six team. Bowl aspirations, all that stuff, that's great. Phenomenal. Go out there and friggin' win this weekend. Worry about all that stuff the following week if you're fortunate enough to get to that point, if you're able to win out. Go out and win this week. Plain and simple. If you missed any of our show today, head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page where you can watch this show in its entirety. Listen to some of the callers that we had on today. Appreciate those folks who called in. And you can go back and see some of the comments that were made. And, oh, they were just a doozy. How about that? Or if you're a podcast listener, head on over to the Gamecock Central Podcast Network where you can listen to this show and all the other GC shows as well. Appreciate everyone that tuned in today. We will have either Garrett or Michael Skarnacki back on with us next week. Perry Orth had a little baby shower or something going on today. I don't know what was going on, but a lot of the former players were over at Perry's house, and I said, look, so the way that this one is probably going to end up, so go go enjoy that. Go enjoy your Saturday, but we'll have those guys back on next week. He's intern Joe. I'm Mike Yuva. We appreciate everyone tuning in for your Saturday afternoon therapy. We were able to get through this. We all vented. South Carolina, the record is what it is, 2-6. and They'll be back in action at Williams-Brice Stadium next week as they honor the 2010 to 2013 team. So maybe they'll have some magic in the building because they certainly could use it. Have yourself a good Saturday night. Be safe out there. If you go do any Halloween stuff, be careful. 
And we'll see you guys on Tuesday for GC Live Talking Tuesday Nights. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.